Welcome to the Self-Publishing School Podcast. This is the podcast to listen to if you're an aspiring writer or an author who wants to be more successful. On this show, you'll learn how to write and launch a book successfully, all from the top authors and people just like you who are doing it at the highest level. I'm your host, Chandler Volt, the founder of Self-Publishing School, the author of the book called Published, and the CEO of selfpublishing.com. For free training on how to publish a book that sells 10,000 copies, go to selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. Hey, Chandler Bolt here, and joining me today is Sarah McDermott. Jane, uh, Sarah is an award-winning produced screenwriter and the international best-selling author of a book called Wolves at Night. Uh, she's also a creator of the Book to Script course, um, which shows authors how to adapt their books into screenplays. Um, and she teaches both screenwriting and novel writing at a college level. That's what we're going to be talking about. <laughs> how do you turn your book into a screenplay? Maybe even how do you turn your screenplay in a book? We'll see if we can if we get to that. Which which should you do first? Is there even any hope that this book is going to be turned into a movie? Uh, we'll try to unpack all that stuff. My goal is this will be a go to resource if you're looking to turn uh, your book into uh, a movie. So if, if if that's you, buckle up. Or if you know someone who uh, this is their goal, then share this episode with them. And they're in, I hope you're both in for a treat. So Sarah, welcome. Fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk about this. And I, I really do believe that for most authors, this is a dream of having their book, you know, turned into a movie. So definitely an important topic to cover. Yeah. Who, who wouldn't want that, right? Exactly. So the age old question, which came first, the chicken or the egg? <laughs> for you, which came first, being a screen writing screenplays or being an author? <laughs> so um, my background is sort of this interesting mix of like publishing and screenwriting. So I initially started out thinking, you know, my whole life is going to be books. Like I went to grad school to get a master's degree in publishing. And while I was there, I actually wound up taking a screenwriting course. And like long story short, I wound up selling the screenplay I wrote in the course, <laughs> which set me off on this screenwriting journey. So now I've been a working screenwriter for about 15 years. Um, I did have my book Wolves at Night come out last spring, which became an international bestseller. So that was amazing. Um, but yes, because I have kind of this blend of publishing and screenwriting in my background, I've always been really, really interested in adaptations and helping authors to do their adaptations. And in terms of which one comes first, um, I really do think so. I, I am a firm believer that any story can be adapted into a film, even if it's nonfiction. It's just a matter of, you know, how you choose to do it, how you choose to translate that into characters and, and all that stuff. Um, but I really do think that when we first get ideas, there's kind of a feeling in us of, you know, do I feel like I'm being called to kind of make this a book first or make this a movie first? And that you kind of can, you want to go with that, with whatever that initial feeling is um, to get it started. But yes, I very mm. much believe that then after that initial, whatever it's first supposed to be is out, you can look at it and, uh, and figure out, you know, how to go from there. And what I will say for myself personally, just because I had such a thorough background with screenwriting before I did my novel, um, all those screenwriting skills really, really will help you as a novelist. Um, so, you know, in terms of screenwriting, there's lots of like particular rules you learn just about how to structure it, um, how to design your characters so that they interact the way you want them to, to interact, how to do your dialogue, all that stuff then carries over into writing a novel. And I believe made my novel anyway, much, much stronger. Mm. So you feel like it's kind of a it's based on which direction you're called is, all right, is this, do I feel like this is, 
this is, I'm kind of getting tugged more towards the screenplay or I'm kind of getting tugged more towards the book. Yes. Which do you think is easiest? Oh my goodness. So that's such a hard question because I think. And maybe easiest for the first time. So assuming you haven't written screenplays before, you haven't written a book before, Mm -hmm. I'm going to do one of these two. I would say maybe the book. So again, I think that you'll be called, you know, either way. And I think, um, you know, it's, you kind of, you want to go with that. I think certain stories also lend themselves more to being a book than a screenplay because certain Mm. stories, if they're more internal, you're going to want to do the book. Um, But I'll say, I think the book first is easier. So there's, there's certain things that are easier or harder about both of them, because of course the book is longer and, and all this stuff. Um, But with the book, you're more open to kind of, just delve more into the psyche of those characters. And really what's challenging with screenwriting is that you have to be very economical. So screenplays cannot be, they used to say they cannot be more than 120 pages long, but nowadays the trend is really downward. So like I would say 100 to 110 pages, you really don't wanna go over that. And a lot of that's dialogue. So like the word count of a screenplay um, isn't going to be anywhere near, like, say, if you had a 100, 110 page book, the word count's going to be way higher than it would be for a 100, 110 page screenplay. Um, so, for that reason, what I think people really struggle with is knowing, like, what to keep, what to include that's going to really move that forward and, and keep it interesting. Whereas in a novel, mm. you can kind of indulge yourself to, like, to dig in. And it's for the reader, too, it's easier to follow in a novel if you're going to include a whole lot and a bunch of different characters and a bunch of different storylines um screenwriting it just has to get really really streamlined Mm, that's really interesting what what is the average word count of a screenplay oh my goodness that that's a a, maybe not average but with just like general ballparks so I'm trying to think so I've never actually checked like word count but I'm gonna I'm gonna think I'm trying to think about like the word count of my novel I'm going to say it's probably like 20,000 or something. Cause again, 20, it's just about a hundred pages and a lot of it is dialogue. So mm-hmm. a screenplay is formatted. When you have your dialogue, there's a ton of white space on either side. So mm. reading through most pages, it's, it's very fast read. Cause it's just like lines, yeah. a lot of white space. So yeah. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. You can that have- makes sense. Cause I feel like your words per page is probably going to be a hundred to 200 words per page. I think. I'm forgetting the exact numbers on books. I used yeah. to know this, but I feel like it's like 350, 400 words per page in a book okay. or, or not. Um, well, cause we're talking about like Word doc, Word doc yeah. or Google doc pages versus actual book page. Obviously that's going to vary and be different, but that makes sense. Cause then that would land you about, uh, about 10, 20, 30,000 words. Right. Well, yeah. I've got kind of this, um, you talked about the length of your novel I've got this little chart. It's in my book um, published. So for anyone who's watching on the YouTube channel, um, you'll be able to see uh, this little chart. Um, Gosh, I can't even find it. Um, For anyone who's watching on uh, or who's listening on the podcast, um, check it out in the book. Sorry, one second. All right, check it out. Page 57. So I kind of talk about like the average length. Sorry, I know this is hard to see, but the average length depending on genre. And so this speaks to what you're talking about. So you've got, you know, a novella is 10 to 40,000 words. So I think probably a novella would more closely resemble a screenplay. You've got a novel, which is 50 to 150,000 words plus, plus, like they could be really, really long. And then you've got traditional nonfiction, which is like 30 to 70,000 words. And then you've got shorter than that if you're doing abbreviated nonfiction and, and then all the way down to like 
700, 200 to 750 words of a children's book of, or yes. that sort of thing. So it's really interesting, the different, the different word counts. So it sounds like one of the key skills of writing a great screenplay is you got to get really good with dialogue and mm-hmm. you've got to be very good at, at moving a story forward with as few words as possible. Yes. And it really is an art form. Like a lot of times I get hired. So sometimes I sell original screenplays, but a lot of times I get hired by production companies just to clean stuff up. Like they, they're like, we love the idea of this, but it's, it's too long or, you know, we have to go into production and it's just not quite there yet. And, um, really something I've gotten very good at is just how can I say the same thing in fewer words (laughs) so that it has more impact. And it's almost like a game. Like it really is kind of fun because I can look at a huge paragraph and I just keep condensing, condensing, condensing. And it might wind up being just like one sentence by the end, but the one sentence is just as powerful. And you want to keep in mind too, that people reading screenplays. So like when you're sending screenplays out, marketing them, trying to get them made, um, you know, producers and all, like they're not necessarily big readers. Like maybe some of them are, but some of them aren't like they're visual people because that's why they're working in film. So if if it's something that's real heavy with description or like overwritten, a lot of extra words, which is authors have a tendency to do that, like especially doing an adaptation to a screenplay because that's what they're used to. They're used to being able to have all those words. Um, they're going to look at it and be like, no, like, <laughs> like I can't. Mm. This. So the quicker it is that you can pack a punch in as few words as possible, like if you get good at that, um, that's really going to help set you up for success. Mm, that's really great. It, yeah. it reminds me of, like I heard one time it was, um, Gosh, uh, uh, Jerry Seinfeld. Um, I wanted to say Jerry Springer. I'm like, no, it's not Jerry Springer. Um, Jerry Seinfeld, I think he, I, I heard him say one time, it's like he would spend an hour or hours figuring out how to, how to cut one word out of a joke. Yes, because yes. Because if you can get to the punchline, it, it, more people are going to get it and the joke's going to land better. It sounds like that's a craft that you've kind of honed as a screenwriter. And there's, there's this great quote from like Mark Twain as well to a friend when he, the, I, you probably know which one I'm going to say, like where he's, he says, I would have written you a shorter letter if I had more time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't have enough time. So you got like the whole, the whole long thing, you know, just mm-hmm. came out. Yeah. Mm. So let's talk about big picture differences between writing books and writing screenplays. We've touched on a few of them. Um, but I'd, I'd love to hear other big differences that you see and that people should be aware of. Yes. Um, well, this is definitely a big one. The other one I think to really be aware of. So for writers, and again, if you've started as an author and then you're adapting into a screenplay, um, it's almost like learning a new language because you have to learn to convey everything you want to convey just with visuals, action, and dialogue. So in a screenplay, there's none of this, like you're in description and you can describe like what they're feeling internally. Like don't, that's like a big no. Like, so you can't say like, he's so upset, like, you know, that he leaves the room. You just say he leaves the room. Like you can't explain, like he is outraged. He just can't believe she would do this to him, especially after all they've been through. Cause your your audience has no way of seeing that. Right. So it's logical. So if you're sitting in a theater watching a movie, you can't see what was written in the description. So if you're going to be describing like these internal states, um, it does nothing like for your audience down the line, they can't see it. So it's, I say, it's really like learning a new language that you have to communicate just with the visuals, just with the actions, just with the dialogue. So what visuals can you use that's going to convey the same kind of stuff? Like what actions can they take? Like actions speak louder than words. So put it in their action. Like what are they actually doing? Um, So 
like one, one example I sometimes use is like, say you had a scene with a boyfriend, girlfriend, and she's asking him, you know, she's real busy. She's asking him to go mail her college application. Like, so she gives it to him. I guess nowadays this is mostly done virtual, but pretend she gives it to him to actually mail in a physical mailbox. He says he'll do it. And then in a scene, we see him go to do it. And instead he throws it in the trash can that's next to the mailbox instead. Um, so you're getting it in action that he doesn't want her to go away to school, you know, that he's got insecurities, but you don't, but there's been no need to actually explain that, like in your description and say, oh, he's, oh. he's insecure. So you got to show, um, and again, this is kind of like a game, like you got to ask yourself and play with it. Like, how can I show it <laughs> with what they're doing as opposed to just telling? Show, don't tell. It's like <laughs> one of our most popular tell. blog posts on our on the blog is show don't tell and it's i think it's through the lens of writing a better book um again interesting like, in the context of a, of a movie yeah the skills definitely translate like when i went to do my book i i really felt that it um it gave me a leg up just that i was familiar <laughs> with all the different things with screenwriting so that you don't just resort to like exposition or too much too much telling yeah and because what does exposition mean so it's when you're you're explaining like point blank um, what's going on, like what I'm feeling. And this this mm. ties into as well. Um, so another, you know, great tip things for people to keep in mind. The dialogue, like you said before, um, is super, super important. So you wouldn't want to have dialogue where someone is explaining like, hey, man, I've known you since we were 10, since we were first like on the the peewee basketball team together and you had my back all through high school you know it just doesn't sound real so like that's actually <laughs> gonna like explain our relationship like step by step um but people don't actually talk that way so like, if you have a friend there's no need for you to explain to your friend <laughs> the history of your relationship it would be weird so same thing applies in a movie or in a book like if you have somebody doing that like it just doesn't it's just not going to ring true it's going to turn people off Mm, that's great. Mm -hmm. Really, really helpful. So tell me about, gosh, there was one or two things that you keyed in on there. Oh, you talked about the three elements of a compelling screenplay. And mm -hmm. you also talked about not needing to write in the actions. Do you, like, are you directive in how you're writing that in the script? Like, are, are you putting storms out the, 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 yes. the room? Like, are you, are you kind of, uh, giving direction to the visuals that are going to happen that aren't in the actual written text or yes. what does that look like? And it's, it's always kind of a fine balance because you want to give your actors a little bit of freedom. And of course the director, um, the director is God when it comes to film. So, you know, with books, you definitely have like more control over this is exactly how I want to do it. Whereas with film director is going to come in, it's going to get a little collaborative. Um, but yes, like when you're in the screenplay process, again, I'd say try to be as descriptive as you can but again, with as few words as you can. So if you can put like storms out, then they very clearly get that action. You know, they understand. Um, I would say avoid, this is another mistake people sometimes make, avoid putting in too much camera direction because that's really gonna be the domain of the director. Um, so don't put in a whole lot of, I mean, if it's important to the story, you can do it like once or twice, but I would say definitely don't put in a whole lot of like what kind of shot you want or, oh, this is supposed to be an extreme close-up because like they're going to figure that out themselves. So like you just focus on the story. You can focus on if they do leave the room, you can say storms out. That's fine. Um, yeah. So all that stuff is going to help give the overall vibe of the story. And again, descriptive, good, powerful words, letting you do it in a short, short amount of words. Cool. And you talked about kind of those, the three elements of a powerful screenplay. You said visuals, you said dialogue Action. and something else. 
Action and dialogue. Yeah. So visual, the visual thing that you see, the action that the person's actually taking and the dialogue. Um, so again, it's, it's everything that you're thinking of in terms of your book. How are you going to translate it into those? So um, again, this is like, this is, it's, I think it's a fun process, but it's something that you have to think about and be a little bit creative. Like, so if you have had a lot of things happen internally in your book, it's something that you have to think about. Like, so how can I show the same thing externally? So another example, I'll use another boyfriend, girlfriend example. Um, maybe in the book, you could explain that they knew each other, you know, since high school, they were high school sweethearts, but then they broke up and years later, they're getting back together. Um, in the film, you don't want to have the exposition explaining that. So instead, maybe one character just pulls out an old picture and it's them in high school or it's them going to the prom and then boom, your audience gets it just with the visual. They're going to know, oh, hey, they have a whole history. Like, so there's this whole background here, but you've done it in like one second with one visual. Um, and the action of them taking it out and looking at it, of course, probably means they still have feelings as well. So you're using those visuals and actions to get that across. Mm, that's a totally different process. That's so interesting. Yeah. Are, are you are you writing that into your screenplay? I am. So I'm I'm in the process of adapting my book into a screenplay. And there's definitely things that um, that I have to think about because having done it as a book this time around, like there's there's a lot. It's it's to so the story itself. She's very isolated in this cabin. For the first half before like these other guys show up and um so a lot of it is her like remembering things that have happened or thinking about you know the different struggles and and things so i've had to give a lot of thought to well how am i going to show this you know at, now that i can't just have it in her in her mind mm. yeah mm. and is that what you recommend for people who are turning their book into a screenplay is is kind of think of those visuals that will more easily tell the story and maybe pencil them in so you just know all right this is yeah. how i'm progressing the story yeah. And just start to brainstorm, like start to think to yourself again, have fun with it always, but start to think to yourself, okay, here's something. It was just internal. So how could I show it? And maybe it's not the first idea that comes to your mind, but brainstorm a couple ideas and something could come across, you know, that works really well. Um, what I'll say too. So a lot with writing the screenplay, of course, cause it's so much shorter than the book, you might have to cut a whole lot out. So we can, we can talk about that a little bit, like things to cut and, or combine. Sometimes characters get combined, but occasionally you might have to create, like you might have to create a new character just for the purpose of giving your character someone to talk to so that we get to see, you know, what's going on in their head or we get some kind of background. Um, so that's something that you always have to think about too. So be open to if I have to create or add something just for the sake of the story so people understand. So like if you've ever read a book and then you see the movie and you're like, why did they give them a best friend? <laughs> <laughs> that's why like they needed they needed some other person there so that there could be interaction instead of just just the person yeah. oh wow that's fascinating I never even thought about that that's yeah. wild so I'm going to take a guess at um these three elements and who owns what and I want you to correct me uh if I'm wrong and then you know maybe fill in the gap so when I think about visuals action and dialogue I would mm -hmm. think the dialogue is predominantly on the writer the mm -hmm. action is predominantly on the the actor although we haven't really explained what that is yet and then the visuals is kind of owned by the director is that wrong or right and then as a writer do you kind of own all of those some of those what does to that look a like certain extent you do so I actually I like your breakdown because I never quite thought of it that way um I like your breakdown though so like I think there's definitely something to that 
to an extent, the writer owns them all. So the writer with the screenplay really is giving the blueprint that the others are going to work off of. So I think um, when it comes to like action, so mean, meaning, I think in this sense, more like the emotion that they're going to be delivering, the actor can definitely, you know, definitely has a huge influence on that. The director also will be directing the actor and might say, hey, play it this way, play it more sad, you know, um, whatever the case may be, but it's all going to come back to the script. So like whatever that blueprint, the bones that you gave them in the script is going to inform, you know, what they choose to do. And, and even the director. So with the visuals, you might give some visuals in their script. They're probably going to have their own particular vision. So again, it's a very collaborative medium. So I kind of, I let authors know that too, because if you're used to just doing your book and I have it exactly this way, and this is how I pictured it, when you go into film, it is collaborative. So, you know, I always caution people because they're so eager to get the film deal. Don't just be eager to get the film deal. Make sure that you really talk with that person and don't just like say yes and agree to everything. Make sure that you agree with like the vision that they're going to, to have as well for this. Mm, got yeah. it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we'll circle back to, cause I'd love to talk about the elements of selling your screenplay and actually turning it into a movie and that sort of thing. But um, let's circle back to that. And I've got a few more questions on the actual um, writing process itself. So We've talked about visuals, action, dialogue, and how important dialogue is. Yes. This is an, actually another one of our most popular blog posts on our blog is how to write dialogue. Uh, mm-hmm. And so my question for you would be, how do you write great dialogue? I know this is like a massive question probably, but like, how do you rate, uh, write great dialogue in the context of a screenplay or movie? And is there um, any tips that you have? Yes, I have lots of different like little tips and techniques. Um, so I'll, I'll make sure to cover at least a few. So one thing I will say is you're going to want to get very familiar with the concept of subtext and really use subtext. So anyone who's kind of like, I don't really know what that is. It's sort of the art of saying something without saying something. And it doesn't just show up in dialogue. It also shows up in the actions. Like the example, you know, I gave with the guy throwing the college application away instead of mailing it. It's like the subtext of that is what's getting delivered that he doesn't want her to go to college. Um, So your dialogue will be much more interesting. And it's also going to be a lot more realistic if you don't point blank say, you know, what people are thinking. So, and this is true for us in life. So like, we don't talk that way. Like we don't come straight out and we're like, I'm thinking exactly this. Um, and this is exactly why. So instead, you know, people say things that kind of hint at how they're feeling. Um, and if the audience, you know, gets the little bit of context from the story, they can understand, you know, what the person is feeling. So, um, I'm trying to think of like a couple examples. So I know there's like the social network, that movie, you know, about um, Mark Zuckerberg and it's the first scene and it's supposed to be him like when he's in college and he's arguing with his girlfriend and um, she kind of makes an offhand comment about liking guys who row crew. And instead of coming back and saying like he's jealous or or anything like that, um, he just keeps throughout the conversation, he makes the occasional joke like, well, I don't have a rowboat. (laughs) (laughs) you know, I don't, I don't, uh, you know, I don't row crew or have you seen the guys who, you know, like, so he keeps kind of like needling at it without actually saying he's jealous. So I would say definitely working on subtext, um, you know, and there's different exercises and things I'm sure that, that you can do to kind of build up your subtext. Um, Another thing that works really, really well. So this is a trick that I I think I initially heard um, from, there's a school called screenwriting you for screenwriters. And they introduced this technique, this swinging between hope and fear, 
between lines. Um, and this works really, really well too. So whenever you're in dialogue, you want to keep, obviously you want to keep people engaged and interested and not quite sure, you know, how things are going to resolve. So it doesn't have to be like life or death extreme, but this swinging between hope and fear just means that there's this little bit of a back and forth that you're kind of unsure of the outcome. So like if someone comes in and it's like, oh my goodness, I overslept, I'm going to miss my midterm. Then the other person's like, well, I can drive you. And then someone else says, aren't you forgetting like your car is in the shop, <laughs> you know, um, then I can borrow so-and-so car. Oh, wait, no, I'm too, you know, so it just, it kind of goes back and forth. So that's another thing that you can think about. Um, another, this is just another like little technique is if someone is confronted or asked certain questions to answer questions or evade, you know, whatever the person's trying to ask them just by asking another question. So like, there's lots of these little, again, that can be subtext, like when they don't answer, but instead they deflect, like they, they come up with something else to distract that person. So there's, there's different ways to do that. So these are just like a couple ways um, to get you thinking. But again, the big thing to avoid is just having anything be too on the nose. So thinking mm -hmm. about things people can say, where we can understand, you know, what the feeling is without having them come right out and tell us. Got it. And what does that, what does that phrase mean on the nose? And how do you, how do you avoid that as a screenplay writer? So on the nose, it's just, it's ties in with exposition. So it's just when it's too exact, like you're saying too exactly, exactly what they're thinking and feeling um, instead of bringing us into like a realistic dialogue. So one thing I recommend for screenwriters you know, the first draft you do, the first draft is never the last draft. <laughs> and I'm sure that's true. That's true of all people with their books as well. Um, so when you're in the process of revising, like I always recommend so that you're not overwhelmed with your revisions, do different passes of your revision for different things. And one of your revision passes should definitely be for the dialogue. And I would say even take it character by character. So because for each character, you want them to have certain traits you want every single line of dialogue that they speak to reflect on those traits in some way so that they're very unique. They're very distinct. Like end of the day goal, you would want someone to pick up that script and like put their finger down. And if the name was blacked out, you want them to still know who it is. Like that's how clearly you want the dialogue to align, you know, with their traits. Um, but in terms of this, like on the nose dialogue, when you're doing that revision pass, just flag anything. Like if you're reading through and you're like, Oh, and trying to take your emotions out of it and not get swept up in the story, but just looking at the dialogue, flag anything that seems too on the nose, like they are saying exactly what is in their head at this point. Um, you know, if you're going to do that at all, maybe you do it once at like a climactic moment where they're finally like it's built up and they're finally saying exactly how they feel, but you definitely can't have it like all throughout. So if you flag that anywhere, then your job is really go back brainstorm, um, you know, how can you adjust it? So instead you're using the subtext and they're not saying exactly, exactly what they're thinking and feeling. That's great. Really, really cool to hear that. Hey, Chandler Bolt here. I hope you're loving this episode so far. It's time to go from inspiration to implementation. All right. So if you've learned something, we want to help you implement what you've learned with your book. So what I want you to do right now is go to selfpublishing.com forward slash schedule, book a publishing consultation with one of the experts on my team. We'll talk about your goals for your book, your dreams, your challenges, your next steps, and we'll start putting together a plan. All right, so go to selfpublishing.com forward slash schedule, book a call with the team. Let's see how we can help with your book. It's time to implement. 
I, I want to, uh, one more question, maybe on the writing piece, and I want to move into the selling screenplay, turning it into a movie, all that stuff. <clears throat> so I'm thinking of, so character development, you know, I come from a kind of, I'm, you know, seven books, traditional nonfiction. And I always mm -hmm. say real, real authors write fiction. It's so much harder. <laughs> and, I'm sure real, and, and real authors probably write screenplays because it sounds like it's even harder in some mm -hmm. ways. Um, but, and so another one of our most popular blog posts of all time is on character development. Now, these are not written by me. So that, that information is, is good and solid. But as someone who's traditional nonfiction, I've always been like, I don't really get it because I don't have as much character development in nonfiction. And then I'll be, watch, be watching movies or something. And um, my girlfriend, who's really into acting and, and, and uh, movies and stuff, is like, man, this character development, it's just not good. Yeah. And so can you talk to us about that? What is character development and how do you do it well? I think that audiences always want to see the character go through some kind of transformation. So there's different sorts of character arcs. And I will say among the character arcs, the no arc does count as an arc. So there's certain stories where it's like they stay static, usually to prove some kind of greater point, like that people can't change or something like that. But most of the time, like 90 plus percent of the time, um, there's some kind of character arc happening. And again, I think people really want that. So I think they want to see stories where they can resonate and where they can see someone else having some sort of breakthrough so that they feel like they have some sort of a breakthrough, you know, along with that person, or they feel like they can then go on to have a breakthrough. Um, so I think it's important for any story to like when you're in that planning stage. So I am a big like planning person with my stories. And, and again, I think this is probably to do with screenwriting because it's very structured and it has to be like three act structure and all that. There's different types of structure, but I, I usually always work with three act structure. Um, but you plan ahead of time, like, okay, here's where they're starting and here's where I actually want them to end up. So again, how can I show it using our like actions, dialogues, all that um, how do I actually show the change? And if you have that in mind, like start to finish, you can actually plant like little, you know, little milestones along the way. Like we see them sort of change in this way or sort of change in that way so that you can achieve that by the end. Um, and another big thing, I touched on it a minute ago, but another big thing I'll say for character development, whenever I'm starting out, I pick like three to five core traits for each character. And it's like, those are their traits. So like real life human beings um, can be super complex. So we have, I don't even know how many traits, <laughs> like limitless traits, but that's going to get confusing in a screenplay if you have someone who's doing stuff that's like just all over the map. So you really want to hone in on like, what are those core character traits? And for a book too, you can probably have more character traits, you know, like, because you can be in the character's head so you can understand the rationale a little bit. Again, with the script, when it's the film, you're just watching that film for like two hours, it needs to be clear. So you wanna boil it in, what are their core traits? Um, and then, like I said, you really want everything they do to reflect on those traits in some way. So if they do have a character arc, maybe there's like one trait that's really dominant at the beginning, but by the end you want another trait to come out. So maybe it's like bravery, but the bravery is not really there in the beginning. Maybe you get like a little bit of a hint of it because maybe they do oh. something mm -hmm. that plants a little bit of a hint. Um, the movie I'm thinking of is like legally blonde, um, but there's this little scene in the beginning where she goes shopping and they try to trick her into buying something that was like last season for full price. Cause they're trying to trick her to think it's brand new. 
And she busts out her like logical thinking skills and tricks them and says, well, you couldn't sew it this way if it was this fabric and that, you know, so we get that little bit of a hint that she's actually pretty quick and that she actually has like this rational mind where she can figure things out and where she can argue, um, which is going to develop more and more as she goes to law school. But you get that little bit of a a plant in the beginning. Um, Mm. So yes, so definitely think about that. Think about what you want the traits to be. And again, some might be smaller in the beginning, but they're there, they're just hidden, but they can come out more and more as that character grows. So that's great. All right, mm-hmm. I want to transition to selling your screenplay and all that stuff. I, I, I kind of want to spend a little bit more of, of our conversation talking about that, but this the writing piece has just been so fascinating. This is awesome. Yes. <laughs> so how do you sell a screenplay? Are you selling it? before you write it, after you write it? What does that process look like? Is there hope for for me as a first time screenwriter that I can actually get this thing sold? Yes, oh, there absolutely is. So like when people think about writing their screenplay, they tend just to think about the major studios and you know what you hear is like, you can't send unsolicited stuff. And, and that's true. So like, if you send unsolicited stuff to like one of those top five studios, don't expect a response. Like if you're a first time and you don't, you know, you don't have representation. However, what people forget is that there's literally like thousands of independent production companies. Um, They're all over and they're totally open to looking at unsolicited materials. Um, And they're really actively searching for like gems. So if you have like a great screenplay, so I know you also asked in there, like, do you write it first? Do you not? So there's different schools of thought. Like, so if you've had a book um, that was a very successful book, like maybe you can go make some kind of deal before the script is written. But I'll say for the most part, like if you've, if you want to write it yourself and if you've never written a screenplay before, and if the book's not like New York Times, like maybe it did well, but it's not like New York Times or something like that, where they're going to be looking to, you know, snap it up. Um, chances are you're going to want to have that screenplay done first, because otherwise they're just going to, they're not going to know exactly what they're getting or like, is this person going to be able to write and, and all this other stuff. Um, so, you know, once you have that together, these independent production companies, you can definitely find them online. So like everything's online. Um, I recommend LinkedIn where you can search for producers. You can connect for free. Um, or the best tool really is IMDb Pro. So a lot of people know IMDb. It's the international movie database. Um, IMDb Pro is the paid version. But when you upgrade to that, you can get contact info for literally just about everyone. Um, you know, some people are better about keeping it up to date than others. <laughs> <laughs> but for the most part, like anyone you wanted to look up, like you, you might not get like Brad Pitt's home number, but like you will see like here's his representatives contact information. Um, and then that's like an A-lister. But if you're looking more independent, like if you do a search for smaller independent production companies working in your genre, um, you can for a, a lot of the time get like the direct phone numbers, the direct emails for a lot of those people. And then you start sending, you know, your query letters or you start cold calling, which I know is scary, but it's good in a way because at least you get like a response right away. Um, so yeah, there's a whole art to that as well, like how to do your query letter and like how to present yourself. But that's really like where you want to start if you're first time. Mm-hmm. That's really good. That's really good. You're reminding me of so for for people who are um, go to chapter 24 in my new book. We've got a lot of overlap in what we're teaching, Sarah. Kind of I talk about this A list, B list, C list. Nice. Now this is the context of author, what I call author appearances. So like getting on a podcast, local TV, et cetera. But it's funny how this applies for exactly what you're talking about, which Mm -hmm. is A-list, B-list, C-list, actors, studios, 
but and then also then I have kind of the three R's of uh, booking your first ones, research, referrals, and reach outs. Nice. And I love how you're talking about, okay, reach out, but then maybe also call, which is scary, but it's something yeah. different that not many people are doing. And a lot of people are so scared of doing that, but it's, <laughs> I mean, I, I get scared doing it too, but yeah. at least you get that immediate connection and you know you get some kind of response. Whereas if you're just sending the emails, some people will get back to you, but some you'll never hear from again. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, Talk to me about how did you get your first screenplay deal? Was it was it free or was it paid? And what's your recommendation for people who are trying to get their first sell or get their first screenplay actually created into a movie? Nice. So um, it was paid. I was very fortunate. So my first like selling an original screenplay, I think my very first screenwriting job, I had already written the screenplay that would later sell, but I was hired again, a lot of times I'm hired just to clean stuff up. So I think I was hired on to um, to clean up a screenplay. And it was really just someone that I found, I think it was like through Craigslist even, this was like way back in the day <laughs> um, when I, I don't know like how much people are still on Craigslist, um, but it was back in the day. And I just connected that way because someone had advertised they needed somebody. The one that sold, this was really, really fortunate. So I was actually on a site. I'm still on this site. It's called networkisa.org. It's the International Screenwriter Association. And they have, they will both post writing jobs, like if people are looking for a particular writer in a particular genre, um, usually they ask for scripts that are already done, like I want a horror script or I want a romance or whatever they want. Um, but they also let writers post scripts that are done. So I think I had listed my done script on that and a producer actually got in touch with me. And again, it was like an indie production company um, it was looking to do like their first feature. I think they'd done a lot of short stuff. Um, it was paid. I think it was like $2,500. So, you know, don't expect like the huge amounts when you're just starting, but definitely some people have the budget to give something. Um, so yeah, so it was, the rest was history. So it was kind of like I met and talked with them and we moved forward. So it was really, really fantastic. So with people starting, I will say like a quick note on the money. If you are starting, um, you want to weigh like how important is, upfront money versus just getting something done. So definitely, especially for first-time writers, I would say just the getting it done and having the credit is so important because it's going to move you forward into future deals on other projects. Just if you can say, like, I got this done, it's going to give you a lot of credibility. Um, so in recent years, it's become popular for people to even do these, what are called dollar options, where kind of silly, like they might give you a dollar <laughs> upfront, but you have it in your contract that when it goes into production, you're going to get a certain amount, like once they raise the funds and when it's actually released, you're going to get a certain percentage, you know, of any profits. Um, so weigh that too. So if you're getting an offer and it might not be anything upfront, I think that the initial reaction or people who aren't really like in that industry, the initial reaction is like, well, no, don't do that. Definitely don't do that. Um, but there's some instances where you want to do that. So again, I think it comes down to do some research. If you feel good about this company, like definitely don't sign away your work if you don't have faith in this company. Um, but if you feel good about them, if you really feel like they're going to actually get it done and they're going to give you money down the line, of course. So you should definitely have a contract where you're getting money somewhere, <laughs> even if you're not getting it up front. Um, yeah. Weigh the pros and cons of, of that, of that too. Mm. And um I, I should mention real quick, there's different types of deals. So you can just sell a screenplay outright, but that's pretty rare. So usually it's actually optioned. And when you option it, it's for a certain amount of time. So usually like 18 months. And if they don't get it made in that time, the rights revert back to you. 
So keep that in mind too, like what kind of deal you want. So um, I actually think the option is a great thing because it's like they get a shot to do it. If they get it done, you're all very, very happy. But if they don't, it's not like you've lost that work forever. You can get those mm, back and try again. That's really important. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's that seems like a thing that's like you definitely want to write that into anything because I mean, you don't want someone just owning a screenplay that they're never going to do anything with. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, and you don't, I mean, yeah, you don't want it to wind up in someone's drawer or they realize like, hey, we had a, a film that competes with this. So we're just going to buy this so that no one else makes it. But oh. we really like you don't want that to happen so again wow. you can kind of find those things out I think by having those conversations getting to know those people but um just just something to keep in mind I like the option and the option is much more common than someone just offering to buy it outright got it that's good to know yeah. um and then I guess last two questions and then we're running out of time here what you it sounds like you got some of your start um, in editing and cleaning up scripts, is that a path that you recommend? Like, is that easier to get your first credit per se is, mm -hmm. or your, your first yes doing that than just writing one yourself outright? Or is that something That's you recommend question. or no? I think that it's easier to get those jobs, um, but you will still need some kind of original screenplay to show as like a sample. So like they'll, they'll want to see something that you did before they even kind of bring you on for that. Um, but, but definitely like those jobs, um, you know, I feel like there's an abundance of them. <laughs> so once you really get like good and you know what you're doing, you know what you're looking for. Um, there's a lot of opportunity there for sure. Yeah, that's cool. It's so fascinating to me. I feel like I just, the more I learn, the more I see commonalities between movies, books, and albums. My brother plays in a Grammy nominated rock and roll band called need to breathe. So I know like the music industry really, really well through him. I know the publishing industry really well, really well through myself. And mm -hmm. then now learning even more about the movie industry through you, it's like, oh, there's writers, there's producers <laughs> or publishers, you know, mm -hmm. big movie houses equals big publishers equals record labels. Yes, yeah. Um, and so it's kind of the, like the structure is actually pretty similar it is. and you can learn from one and apply it to the other. Uh, which is cool. So thanks for connecting some of those dots. That's really Absolutely. interesting. Absolutely. Final question for you, Sarah, would be knowing what you know now, I think you earlier you said 15 years in as a, as a screenplay writer, mm -hmm. what would be your parting piece of advice for the first time screenplay writer? Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> oh, it's tough. Um, I would say, so really learn your basics. So don't just try to start writing a screenplay just because you want to write one like I think when I was in college I kind of had tried to write one like for fun and my friends and I filmed it and it's I can't even bring myself to watch it like I think it's probably just like such a mess um but really like when I was in grad school and I did that course and I really like got the basics it will make things easier it'll save you so much time um do your outline because again like screenplays tend to get rewritten a lot and like especially because like the first stage is kind of you by yourself and then later you're going to be working with a director or someone else so because it's so collaborative it's going to get rewritten you know they're going to ask like can you add this in or do this if you have that outline it is so much easier to rewrite from an outline than it is from like a hundred page script so like the hundred pages you have to like go in the weeds figure it out. If you just have the outline with like your key beats in front of you and you get a note, like I need this added or I need this changed. You can just look at the outline and be like, where would it make sense? You know, like, and it just helps clear everything up. So focus on that. Um, and again, like ha have fun with it. So don't, don't feel like everything like lives and dies, you know, on this first draft or this one script being perfect. Like 
give yourself just the space and the mental space. Like you're going to practice with it. You're going to get better with it over time. Like you learn by doing. Um, so just keep putting yourself in there and practicing the different skills and yeah, it's going to come with time. Cool. Yeah. Well, Sarah, this has been amazing. Um, very fascinating. And I'm going to point a lot of people to this interview because I think it's just a crash course on all things screenplay writing uh, and turning your book into a movie and, and all that stuff. Uh, where can people go to find out more about you, your sure. book, your course, or whatever would be most helpful? Oh my goodness. Well, me, I have a website. So it's just Sarah, no H, S-A-R-A, McDermott, Jan, J-A-I-N.com. Um, hopefully my name is written here somewhere so people can see how that's spelled. Uh, for the course, it's just booktoscriptcourse.com. So if you are an author who has, you know, had dreams or hoped to get your book, um, you know, up on the screen, this is the most comprehensive course that you will find. So I created it because really when I looked, you know, when I was looking at like what exists for authors, like I found that there were tons of courses on screenwriting, just screenwriting in general, and almost nothing on adaptation. Like I think I could find like one small resource. So that's really why I set out to build it. I was like, I'm going to create something very thorough. It's going to give them everything they need to know, not just about the screen, the art of screenwriting, but also specifically adaptation, because it is different adapting from a book than it is if you're just starting a screenplay from scratch. Um, so that again, it's just booktoscriptcourse.com. Um, two is T-O, not the number two. And um, just check that out if you feel like that's something you're interested in. You can also find me, um, I'm on Facebook. I'm actually on Facebook as One Scary Woman because <laughs> I write in horror thriller when I write. So that's a whole different conversation. But um, yeah, it's just facebook.com, I think, slash One Scary Woman. And I'm just on Instagram as Sarah McDermott Jen. So definitely find me, connect, ask me your questions. Um, I'm always thrilled to meet writers and to help you guys out however I can. Cool. Sarah, this was awesome. Thank you so much. Sure. Thank you, Chandler. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for watching or listening to this episode of the Self-Publishing School Podcast. I know there's so many places that you can be spending your time. There's other podcasts that you could be listening to, YouTube channels that you could be watching. Uh, so thank you so much. It means the world. Now, I want you to do three things right now if you found this episode. All right, number one, I don't know if you know this, but we've got a YouTube channel. It's a companion channel to this podcast. All the video versions of the episode are on the YouTube channel. So number one, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Number two, if you're listening to this podcast wherever, whether this is Spotify, Apple Podcasts, number two, I want you to subscribe to this podcast right now so you don't miss a future episode. Uh, and then number three, this is probably the most important, uh, leave a review on the podcast. All right. Reviews are super important and help this podcast get discovered by other people. Uh, so number three, leave a review on the podcast. Thank you so much. I'll see you in the next episode. If you're on the fence about scheduling a publishing consultation call with my team, maybe you're not quite ready uh, for that, I've got some free training that I think will be really helpful for you. All right, all you have to do is go to register to sign up. Go to selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. When you do, you're also going to get a free digital copy of my new book, Published. And on that training, you're going to learn the next step, so how to implement with your book. So how to write, how to publish, how to launch successfully. So go to register right now at selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. I'll see you there.